0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host Amanda Cook, and this week I'm sharing with you one of the amazing discoveries I've made while living here in Hong Kong. Now, in case you don't know, I have lots of interests outside of online business and marketing. And specifically, I'm trained as an herbalist. I'm really into herbal medicine and traditional healing approaches and teaching people to make their own beauty products and herbal remedies. And when I travel, I love to reconnect with the traditional medicine in that area. Since moving to England nine years ago, I've really immersed myself in English traditional herbalism and foraging and learning to use the natural products around us. And I have an especially memorable trip that I did to Thailand where I've actually been a couple of times to work with a traditional herbalist there. So when I moved to Hong Kong, I was really excited to get into the traditional Chinese medicine that's just everywhere here in the city. So there's herbal tea stalls everywhere. They sell herbal tea bottles for different medicinal purposes, even in the shops in the subway. And there's just traditional practitioners everywhere and herbs available in the markets. It's really inspiring. So many of us are really familiar with taking herbal medicine as a tea, but something that they do in Asian cultures is actually take herbal medicine as a soup. So they prepare soups that have herbs infused in them as part of the soup mixes and to make the stocks, and they use those for medicinal purposes. And so I was super curious about this. And one of the wonderful women that I've met while I've been here is Peggy Z, who's a naturopath and an herbalist and a Hong Konger. And I wanted to invite her onto the show to talk about this use of herbal soups as medicine. Because, okay, so this is like the traditional Asian approach, but the approaches that she shares, we can completely use wherever you live in the world, right? And I love this idea of being able to add some really nourishing herbs to our food that we feed our families and ourselves. I think it's just a really nice approach, in addition to having herbal teas, right? It's just another way to incorporate some healing herbs into your diet. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. I really loved this conversation with Peggy and we tried to keep it like really practical and talk about not only the traditional use of these herbs here in Hong Kong, but the theories and the approaches and how you can also start to incorporate more herbs into your own soups and start to add this into your diet for you and your family, which is really fun. So as always, we'll give all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback about this episode and all the other ones, because especially this episode's a little bit different than others because we're really digging into like medicinal herbs and soups and like this different practice from somewhere in the world. And I'd love to know what you've taken away from it. So come join us in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook. There's now over, geez, 2,800 Different wellpreneurs in the group, most of them podcast listeners, and we're in there every week asking questions and supporting each other and talking about that week's episode. So I'd love to see you over in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook as well. Okay, now let's jump into this interview with Peggy Z about medicinal soups. Hi, Peggy. Thanks for joining me on the show
1: today. Hi, Amanda. Nice to talk to you on the phone.
0: So it's a little bit weird because we usually actually see each other in person and right now we're like virtually hanging out on Skype.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just you're right, you're right.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit different for me, but it was pretty cool how we connected because you're we'll talk all about you and what you do, but you're a an herbalist as a, and a naturopath. And we connected because when I moved to Hong Kong, I was like just desperate to find people that knew about Chinese herbs. And I came across you and we even did some little walks around the local markets together. And it was just really, really awesome as an intro to Hong Kong for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's been quite a while back. Yeah, (laughs) it it again.
0: (laughs) Totally. No, I'd love to do that. It's been... Anyway, we'll talk all about that. But let's start the conversation by, could you just tell people who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So I am actually live in Hong Kong, like you said, and I've been doing corporate job for many years. And then I started learning all this about health, aromatherapy, herbs, also a lot of craniosacral therapy and body work as well. And as I get through that journey, I find that it's very fruitful for me and it's very healing for myself as well. So in the beginning, I had no intention to pick this up as a career. But six or seven years ago, I started thinking about it and I started having some clinics and that helps me to reinforce what the natural healing can help people with. And that's where I started the natural healing path. And I've been doing it for five to six years now. And then last year, I actually quit my corporate job to be a full-time wellpreneur, I Mm -hmm. guess.
0: That's right, because when we first met, I think you were still in your job and then you were or just quitting like the next week or something. You were at that pivotal right. moment. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's right. That's so exciting. But recently, I guess last year, you started a new company as well as working with patients, right?
1: Correct, correct. So I have to keep myself busy, I guess. But I started the company to do organic herbal products. And why I started the company actually is I see patients or clients from time to time, and I see a lot of chronic diseases nowadays. And when I reflect, every now and then I look at a lot of things that we do to clients or we help them are healthy lifestyle, diet, and herbs. And I was thinking, is there any other possible way that I can help people earlier in their life rather than they having to get a particular disease or get to a particular situation that can really get people to be earlier on and live a, a healthier living. And that's why I work with my partner, who is also a natural path and a herbalist, to think about what could really we do in terms of incorporating herbs into everybody's living, healthy living.
0: And so I guess what really interested me in, in this company that you guys started called Bonham Trees is that You know, of course, you have herbal teas. And I think that's very familiar to us in the West. I know myself, when I want to take herbs, I tend to take them as teas or as tinctures. But here, using more of an Asian approach, is I noticed that, and and I want to talk all about this because I see it in the markets and I think it's part of the culture here. And you can tell us more, but you also incorporate them as soups. And that's one thing that you're doing in Bonham trees that I think is just so cool and is so different. For me and for us in the West, like we just don't think about putting herbs in soup. So, I mean, it kind of take us back, like how did you, is this something you grew up with or how did you come across this idea of making medicinal soups?
1: So we did grow up with soups. Actually, soups are in a lot of cultures, Western, you also have your own soups, but you may have vegetables or, or meat um, broth in that sense. We grew up also have the Asian kind of soup. There are also medicinal soup where we call decoction, where people would go to a Chinese pharmacies and get prescribed a certain herbs and then cook them. But that's purely medicinal soup, which means that first, it would taste awful. Secondly, only you can have it. None of your family members can share with you because it's particularly for you, for your constitution or for your situation. So when I look at, we want to do something to everybody's diet, then we have to make it taste good and it's functional so that we can get the herbs properties or medicinal properties to be working in a healthy way. So that's why we think about, okay, what can be really sustainable on a day-to-day basis? And that's when we start looking into soups is very much a well-taken, healthy habit. That people like, and also in the I'm not sure about the West but in the Asian culture, a lot of people see soups as a reminder of the family, like when they have a bowl of warm soup, they will think of when they were young, the mom used to cook them really nice soups, so that's a lot of warmth, family connection, and if we can incorporate the medicinal properties from the herbs, that would be perfect, and that's how we come to come up with this idea. Let's put that together to make it taste good and yet functional. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up in Hong Kong? I did. I did grow up in Hong Kong. I went to Australia and stayed there for eight years or so for my college and work a little bit, but I have been mostly in Hong Kong.
0: I'll just tell you a story. So as everyone listening knows, I'm like a total herb geek and I just love this stuff. And so I had a cold a few weeks ago and so I popped into one of the medicinal tea shops here. and which apparently I chose the wrong one I heard because I chose one that had bottled medicinal teas. And I should have gone to one with fresh medicinal teas, but I don't know. The bottled ones had English on them. So it was easier for me to figure out what I needed to take. And so I, I got this bottle of medicinal tea and brought it back. And at the entryway of my building, there's somebody that works there and she's local. And so I showed it to her and I said, "Do you know what this is?" And she just (laughs) looks at me, and she goes, "Oh, that tastes awful." She's like, "That's (laughs) the stuff my grandmother takes." She's like, "We don't take that anymore." (laughs) Right, right. So, so I drank it, and it was—I did drink it, but oh man, it was bitter. And I think that's like the decoction that you're talking about. Like it's a specific therapeutic effect, and like, ooh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have that every day. In your experience, when you were growing up, did you guys? In your family, did you still use this type of traditional medicine or was it like like that woman I spoke to where she's like, oh, that's the stuff my grandmother did?
1: We still use it, but people are getting it into more palatable form, I guess. For example, they would put that into a powder form or they would put that into a pill form so that it's more palatable to these days because people, you know, there's so many good cuisines. Around us, that bitter taste really isn't part of that tasteful cuisines. So when you think about bitterness, and like for children, it's very hard for children to to take bitters. Mm. So it is for us. When I grew up, I remember those, and I also remember the liver pills, which I literally had experience of throwing up because I hated so much.
0: What liver? <laughs> what kind of
1: pills? Just some digestive pills oh. that I had, which are really tiny. And you literally have to have 20 to 30 pills at the same time. And that made me throw up right away. And then <laughs> in the future, I, when I saw little pills, I go, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we still do that. And a lot of families still do that. Yeah, it's still part of it. It's more common in the older days, but I would say that a lot of families still do that and still go to some of the traditional Chinese herbal medicine stores and see the Chinese doctors and get some decoction. And nowadays, most of the shops have the capability of cooking the decoction for you and then adding slightly something better tasting into it to help you to kind of consume it, I guess.
0: And I think in a lot of those Chinese medicine formulas, they put licorice, which yes. can help a bit, right? But that also has medicinal purposes to help harmonize. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're spot on. The licorice is very commonly used on Chinese herbs that is tasting very It's sweet. It's bland. It also helps to harmonize formulas. So it's a great herb.
0: Yeah, I noticed because that, that bitterness, when I took a sip of that tea, it was like, so bitter, but then, but then the aftertaste was actually very sweet, and I was like, "Oh, there's licorice in this. Yeah. <laughs> it's making it slightly better, even though it's, it's really bitter." Right, right. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I look around the markets here, I notice all these weird ingredients. Oh, I shouldn't even say, well, to me, weird ingredients that I don't recognize. There's like things that look like like sea sponges, and like wow. these spongy things, and lots of different barks and berries and nuts. And I think people put those into soup, right? They're not just medicinal; they're also for food.
1: Yes. So in the soup, we have food grade herbs and herb, which means that, like what you were talking about, the sea sponges is actually like um. There is also different kinds. Some are actually sea animals, and some are fungus, like snow fungus, mm. looks like a sponge. And they're very food gray chinese or asians would use that in soups in cooking or even in desserts so it's a wide variety of how we use them and make it like a really part of our uh, diet
0: so in your kits so you you have these soup kits on your website which are really lovely actually i mean everyone i'll put the link in the show notes and we'll talk about it after but it's really nice to see the range of different soups that you have available so these are just I imagine they're just like packets of these different herbs and ingredients that you put in. So I'm curious like what the process is to make soup. Is it literally just those things or you also add vegetables or bone broth or how does that work?
1: Yeah, uh, well, so we do pack the dry ingredients into the soup kits, which can include the medicinal herbs. And it can also include the food grade herbs or even some what we call food. For example, like I would have legumes packed in the soup kits. I would have um, different kinds of mushrooms like reishi, maitake, Brazil mushroom. And then I would have some food grade herbs like dates, Lycium berry, and then really the herbs, which can include a variety from the Chinese herbs, from the Ayurvedic, the Indian, as well as the Western herbs. So these are all the dry ingredients um, that go into the soup kit. And when you cook it, definitely we recommend adding fresh ingredients. And the fresh ingredients have a wide range. You can just add vegetables. Like we can simply use a coin and a carrot that we do. Or people who prefer some of the more um, meaty style, they can add pork or even some seafood. You can add some seafood into it. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so you're... It's kind of like a seasoning and nourishing mix that then you could just cook up with whatever else you want to put in your soup.
1: Correct. Correct. And and all our clients are very creative or they have their own um, wisdom into what really goes well in a soup. So Mm. to mix it with our soup kit. So from time to time, we keep hearing feedback about I added the yellow cucumber and tastes wonderful. We added this and it tastes wonderful and all those. So it keeps also getting, um, adding to our wisdom as well.
0: So is this, I know if, like when I'm making herbal teas, depending on the herb, you might need to let it infuse for a longer or shorter time. And especially with some of the barks and seeds and the really hard herbs, you'd actually want to decoct them and boil them for quite a while. Right. So right. how does that, Like, how long are you cooking these medicinal soups for when you put ingredients like
1: that in? In general, when you add when you cook it with vegetables, it's only needed to be cooked for an hour and a half when you're cooking with some of the meat or seafood. We recommend cooking it for a little bit longer, like two to three hours, but oh, these wow. days, there are so many kind of utensils that people can leverage, like there is um vacuum cooking there is Different pots and, and rice cooker can cook soup. So all my clients keep telling me that I put it in this and and after a few hours it's done and it tastes good. So so these days I, I feel that people are more ready from a tool perspective in soup cooking than the old days where the only option is to get your pot on your stove and kind of make sure that the, the, the it, it goes on for however long you need the soup to be cooked. Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful.
0: Most of the listeners don't have any exposure to these Asian ingredients or TCM ingredients. But I know that something that is really common and popular amongst like the holistic health world is making stocks and broths, right? So you might make a bone right. broth or a vegetable broth. And right. I know that people are familiar with you know using a broth like that and making a soup that would be really nourishing and helpful for them. So I'm wondering if you could just, if we take that approach, what are a few of your favorite, do you have some favorite herbs that, you know, would be safe for general people to use that you might recommend, like they could try throwing into their own broths?
1: Sure, I have uh, quite a number of them. (laughs) I'll start with some of the Chinese ones, astragalus. This is a kind of a bark thing, a yellow. I wish I could show you guys how it looked like. The astragalus is a very good food grade herb that you can throw into the soup to make it sweeter tasting. It helps immune system. It helps people to strengthen the vitality or the energy level. So it's a great addition to the soups. And there are others like... Oh, um, well, let's
0: talk about astragalus first because oh, I sure. that might be one people have heard of, actually. I know I was aware of that um, in the West, maybe because huh? I'm an herb geek. But astragalus is a root. Right? And so I yes. guess you'd you could order it from like an herbal supplier and it would be sliced up and it's quite hard if I remember. Yes. So like if you throw that in your soup, do you eat it or you strain it out?
1: I guess oh. This it's like a newbie question, but <laughs> Right, 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 right. Well, excellent question. In general, those kind of herbs we would strain it out. Hmm. So we have a little um the herbs into a soup bag a cotton soup bag where you can throw it into the soup and once it's cooked, you can take the entire soup bag and then you can dispose the herb and then get the soup bag to be recycled and reused for your next soup kit. So those are the herbs that we won't chew on it or we don't eat it. Mm,
0: Okay, that's cool. I mean, we do that sometimes the traditional way in in French cooking would be called like a bouquet garni and you might put that so they have like a bunch of really big herbs like bay leaves and stuff that you weren't going to eat. And you could put them in a little bag and put them in your soup and then take it out. So it's like the same idea. I love that. So creative. Yeah, And I guess you could also with an herb like that, could you, as you're making stock, like if you're making a bone broth and boiling the bones or the vegetables, you could put it in at that point too and infuse the whole pot. Correct. Correct. Cool. Okay. Astragalus. That's great. That's an awesome one. And you said that was for like
1: immune boosting. Is that an adaptogen? I forget. It is. Yeah. It is an adaptogen. It's a mild adaptogen. So it helps people with a lot of distress, a lot of busy work days.
0: Could you explain quickly what adaptogens are? Because I think that's, it's a word that gets thrown around that people might not quite understand.
1: Okay. So um, there are a lot of definitions of adaptogens being thrown around. My understanding of adaptogens is that it works through your hypothalamus axis so that it can help you to cope with stress a lot better. Mm. So it's working through the axis to help your system not to overreacting or underreacting. And that's why it's very foundational to today's health being because. When we are so stressed with either work in relationship, family or community, our body cortisol level goes up and down or haywire all over the place. And when we are exposed to that over long periods of time, our HPA axis get tired and burnt out and which loses its capability to do the adjustments. Mm-hmm. So herbs like astragalus and other herbs that I like to use, like ashwagandha and shatavari, are great adaptogens that can. That is, I I feel it's indispensable in this um in these times. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I know that um feeling like burnout and adrenal fatigue and just stress is something that you know so many right. of us and our our clients deal with. So, yep. yeah, share with us some more. So we've got astragalus we could throw into our soup. What are some other of your favorite kind of safe
1: um, herbs? I have um, used a lot of the amla. Amla is an Indian fruit gooseberry. Some people call it gooseberry. It's a very useful herb that I throw in. It's high in vitamin C and it's it's also an adaptogen itself. It's very nourishing. It helps to build blood. So I like it in a lot of our soups. It has a little bit of the sour taste. And then it also helps to nourish the digestion system as well. So that's a, a very good way of using the soup. And in fact, when I went to Iceland last year, they used gooseberry in the soups as well.
0: Hmm, It's the same so, kind of... So the, the amla is actually like a, a gooseberry that grows in India? Is that right? Yes. Right? Yes, but correct. It's kind of... It's like the same botanical family as gooseberries. Like we had gooseberries in England too. So it's. I guess
1: it's the same idea i believe so i haven't checked out the england one <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay true in iceland at least in iceland
1: yes yes the they're same the same one yeah so oh. it's amazing that um all these different things are being used in different cultures in maybe slightly different way how they cook it mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all used um across the board
0: it's interesting it's like i noticed we use hawthorne a lot In the UK, in English Uh herbal medicine, but you guys here in in TCM use hawthorn a lot and they're used differently, actually. We tend to use hawthorn for heart and supporting the cardiovascular system in in England, but here it's more digestion?
1: Correct. Hmm. So in Asia, or in particular China, the hawthorn berry are slightly bigger than the European hawthorn berry. So okay. we use that for the digestion, helps you it's combinative, so it helps get rid of some of the bloating, etc. But in my soups I actually use the European species of the berry, mm-hmm. And on the Hoffman leaf I use it in the tea as well, which helps, like you said, some of the circulation and it also still helps with the digestion as well. Mm.
0: Cool. Now, you know, something I see in the markets here a lot are red dates, like really yes. big red. Dates, yeah. And I have no idea what to do with those. Do you put those in soup too?
1: Yes, we use that a lot. Is, have you tried any of them? Mm-mm, no? No. <laughs>
0: I'm okay. like, it's so hard because I don't. I should have done this when we were together. But because right. everything, I don't know, it just feels, I, I just am not familiar enough with those plants to know what to do with them. And everything's in right. Chinese, in Cantonese. And I just, it's quite intimidating, actually.
1: Right, right, right. Okay, well, we'll do it next time. Okay. So uh, <laughs> we, we definitely do use a lot of red dates. And there are different kinds of dates. We have black dates we use. We use red dates as well. The red ones are very... Also, blood building, it's also very helpful for strengthening the spleen from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. And that spleen in a traditional Chinese medicine perspective is really where your building of blood, building of energy comes from. So it helps with that. And in fact, it's a great um, complement with licorice to wow. help to complement each other in the strengthening of the entire kind of emu and spleen because in Chinese medicine we see the spleen as one of the source vital energy for the immune system Mm -hmm. however I do want to point out that when you go to all the shops on the streets at least in Hong Kong all the red dates they are just um, kind of like in the open air and all those a lot of them are sulfur so that's why they can be kind of just on the streets without any vacuum wrapping, without any cool, cooling. Otherwise, it won't be able to sustain the heat, especially in summer in Hong Kong. So most of the herbs that you find on the market today, they have been heavily sulfured, which is also one of the reasons why I formed the bottom trees to make sure that there are a lot of goodness in the food grade herbs or the herbs. But there are not too many good quality of them around so that the medicinal properties get dampened or or negated. And so there are a lot of people saying that the Chinese herbs are not as great as before. I really feel that it's probably not because they're not as great as before. It's a lot because of the processing that the manufacturers or the companies need to do it to extend the shelf lives, mm.
0: you know, to be honest, that has worried me because i when I got here, I was planning to go and buy a whole bunch of herbs and make a little apothecary like I used to have in London. And you just I mean, the stuff like you were saying is just sitting open air, like yep, to yep. the street, <laughs> you know right. and I mean, how do you know, i guess I guess if you can speak to the owners, you can get a more assurance of quality. But like, how do you know how this stuff's been processed? Like, how have you approached that in trying to find, how, how do you know what's what's good to buy?
1: Yeah. So there are some herbs which you definitely know that if they are in the open air, that's no good. Like the red dates. The good ones, non-sulfid one cannot stand to be in open air, not even for a day because it could Get some bugs inside. It may not become go bad right away, but the bugs will already be kind of nourished. I shouldn't mm-hmm. use the word, but that that's <laughs> how it is. So, and then there are some other herbs which are very white in color. For example, there are um, lotus seed or lily bulb that are very white. When you go and buy on the market, those are heavily. Um, either solvered or processed so that they look good. So I never buy them when they look so pure. Any apps that look very pure, they have to be very impure.
0: Oh, no. Right. I mean, it sounds like a bit of a minefield, I think, if you don't know what you're looking for. So it's good to find. Yeah. So I guess if people wanted to buy these like astragalists or something, you really need to find a reputable supplier online and or just a uh, supplier yeah, and order yeah. them direct.
1: Yeah, Right, right. So I've been um, in practice for a number of years. That's why we build up a lot of um, great relationships with suppliers. And that's how we can really trust what we are getting. And then our clients can trust, our customers can trust what we're getting to them.
0: So I'm curious, kind of thinking about, just thinking about our soups that we're making at home, back to that. And but thinking about food as medicine. So I know in TCM, there's these ideas that different foods and different vegetables have different properties, like they might be more nourishing and building or more detoxing or more warming or cooling, for example. And so I'm just curious what you think about that. If people were at home and they're going to make a pot of soup for their family and they're making their chicken broth, bone broth, or maybe their vegetable stock, and then they're like, okay... You know, they kind of get a sense of what's going on with their family and they want to choose the right vegetables to put in. Like, how do you approach that? Do you think about the energetics of the food ingredients, too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the energetics is very important. One rule of thumb that I feel that you could hardly go wrong is go with the seasonality. What's available on the local market, I'm not talking about supermarket, what's available on the local market means that those are in season and when they are in season, they are particularly suitable for the people living in that area to be nourished in that way. For example, like we have root vegetables, which are very much abundant in winter time, and that's also very nourishing. So that's really the time that we should go with all the beets, carrots and yam. And all those are going to be very building for you. And then in the summertime, we have a lot of the melons. So the melons are helping you to kind of uh, cooling and also helping you with the summer heat. So if you go with what's locally available on the market, then I, I feel that the energetics are very much applicable to an average family. Oh, I
0: love that. And it's very simple too, right? And it Yeah. Like those are going to be the freshest and locally grown vegetables. So it makes right. it easy to choose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The only difficulty we face today is everything is available everywhere, anytime. You go into a supermarket, you can find literally anything that people cannot tell what is in season nowadays. That's why I always encourage people to go to the local organic market. That's when the local farmers can really talk about the stories. And then you can learn about what's really in season and what's kind of pretending to be in season.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Totally. You know, I used to think it was funny. I'd heard that in England not long ago, actually, my mother-in-law's generation, at Christmas, they would receive an orange in the bottom of their stocking christmas stocking yeah and when i heard this at first it just seemed so weird like why would you want an orange i think i heard (laughs) this when i was a kid too that people used to receive oranges and i just thought that's weird like you can always have an orange it's just an orange but i didn't realize that actually in the winter in england when there's nothing fresh growing you know and you're Mm -hmm. just eating potatoes and root vegetables Mm. when they brought up oranges from spain like they in the middle of winter that must have been such a treat and That's why it was in the bottom of a stocking. And we're so disconnected from that now because we just are spoiled that we can get anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. I want to just touch back on, we're kind of getting to the end of our time, but one thing you mentioned in the beginning of the interview was that you also put these medicinal herbs into desserts. And this is like fascinating from a (laughs) non-Asian perspective because the desserts are like really different from what we're used to. So there's things like, there's lots of like, puddings and jellies and like sweet, cold sweet soups. and Right, right. yeah So how do you use herbs in those?
1: So there are also going to be very delicate balancing between the herbs as well as itself as a dessert, meaning that we don't want a lot of the sugar into the dessert. We want to use the herbs that itself have some sweet flavor so that it can help to preserve its medicinal properties yet giving the flavor like the dates dates are used a lot lysium berry are used a lot in chinese desserts and things like snow fungus are used a lot in the desserts because those are very much for example like snow fungus it's sweet tasting it has a lot of collagen and it can go with a lot of things like dates or even mango and a lot of different fruits. So that's kind of giving it the pleasant tasting, the summer fulfillment. And you can cook it hot or cold as well. I mean, you you cook it hot and then serve it cold. So which kind of fulfills a lot of the satisfaction that are in demand today and also gives you the nourishing, like a lot of people would be welcoming collagen-building herbs. Mm -hmm.
0: I love this picture you've presented of, you know, if you can imagine if if people ate like this every day, which they used to, right? Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately now, or even in Hong Kong, like, you know, <laughs> the, everyone's kind of started eating a little bit. Well, yep. we don't get to eat this nourishing on a daily basis. But just imagine like all these herbs you're getting, you know, and you're getting teas and you're getting it in your soup and you're getting it in your congee for breakfast, like your cooked yep. rice porridge with herbs on it and in your desserts. And like... I mean that's just so that's got to be so good
1: for the body and absolutely absolutely and that's why I'm doing this and hopefully we can get it to a lot of the families like we do health programs for particularly for newborns we have postpartum programs that's why we want to start this health thinking in the diet and the food and the herbs Right when a new life is born, that's nothing can be better when when you have that nourishment right from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, thank you. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. No,
1: you're welcome.
0: Sharing all your knowledge, and I really we need to go on another herbal exploration in Hong Kong because <laughs> definitely <laughs> so much to learn. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? You know your website and and how they could get in touch.
1: The website is www.bonumtrees.com. Www.bonumtrees, and then we also have Facebook, Bonum Trees again. And then I uh, we're also on Instagram. You can look up Bonum Trees HK and you can find us there.
0: Fantastic. And do you ship, I, know, I imagine you ship your soups within Hong Kong, but do you ship internationally at all or people need to come here to get them for now?
1: Well, for individual shipments, it really depends on the country itself. We have shipped to some of the countries like Abu Dhabi because some of the clients are really into it and want us to ship there. But I, I would imagine it will really have to tie back to the country specific. Okay. Like Australia might have some challenges with customs and we don't want customers to be disappointed when they order and didn't get it. hmm.
0: Cool. So people definitely check out the website. And if you want to order some, then just get in touch and you can work it out depending on where you live.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you so much, Peggy, for being here. It's been really Thank
1: you, Amanda. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And I'd love to hear what you think about this episode and all the episodes. So come join us in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook where there's over 2,800 awesome Wellpreneurs in there discussing what we're working on in our businesses and asking questions and discussing each week's episode. And I'd love to have you be part of our community. So I'll see you over there on Facebook. Have a fantastic week and um, I'll catch you in the next episode.